found in the inside of your bulletin. Our sermon text is Luke 10, 38 through 42, as we continue to go through the book of Luke. Hear these words from the scriptures. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. I don't know um, how familiar you all are with the concept of personality types. Anybody ever taken the Myers-Briggs? You know, it's, it's kind of the, uh, you know, uh, I guess you used to be a Capricorn or a Sagittarius. Uh, now you're an ESFJ or maybe that's a bit simplistic. I'm sorry, uh, psychologists out there. But it's a way of ascertaining. Apparently, God has designed it so everybody fits essentially into these 16 buckets, these four different characteristics. I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert. I'm a thinker or I'm a feeler. Uh, these uh, different characteristics, and um, they are uh, different personality types that you might have. So if you don't know your personality type, uh, this is going to make no sense to you. But if you do, I have done painstaking work to try to mate your personality type to a specific animal, okay? So for instance, if you are an ISTJ, you are a rude sloth. Sorry about that. If you are an ISFJ, you're a cozy penguin. If you're an ESFP, you're a celebratory lobster. I have no idea what any of these things mean. If you're an ENTP, you're a content inebriated bird. And if you're an ENTJ, you're a terrifying macaw. If you are my personality type, an INTP, you are an odd but otherwise friendly crab pot. (laughs) I feel so good about myself uh, right now. I have a strange personality type. I'm called the architect, uh, which sometimes can fall under that nutty professor uh, guy. Uh, Every now and then I break out into charismatic leader, but I can also become a terrifying dictator. Uh, I, uh, other people who have my personality type are people uh, from everyone as cool as Dwight Eisenhower to uh, Rick Moranis. Um, Mary-Kate Olson and I are tight at NTPs, as well as Sigourney Weaver. Uh, we've got here J.K. Rowling. That's pretty good. And of course, um, my kissing cousin, Albert Einstein and I. So... Since we have the same personality type, we must have the same brain power. Uh, One would think uh, probably not. Uh, Truth be told, my personality type is one of the most irreligious personality types of all of them out there. And so it is truly by the grace of God that I'm standing before you today. You know, we have emotional personality types, but we also have spiritual personality types. Certainly not as big and uh, worked out uh, as the Myers-Briggs, but I think that this passage uh, 
uh, indicates that there is a certain spiritual personality type that I've heard from people, particularly women. I'm either a Martha Christian or I'm a Mary Christian. I don't know if you've heard that before. Martha Christian sort of turns into I'm a, a type A personality who's busy doing things for Jesus while a Mary personality is more of a type B contemplative personality who sort of sits and doesn't worry about things. And clearly Mary in this passage is lauded while Martha is rebuked. And so sometimes I hear a bit of lament uh, from women. I wish I was more like Mary instead of like Martha. And usually the interpretation I get from that is I wish I took more time to be contemplative and calm down and sit at Jesus' feet. I want to suggest to you that that is not the message of this sermon. That we've got Martha and Mary, we're running them through the incorrect grid. Because this message of this sermon is not necessarily your temperament or your personality type or your willingness to sit before Jesus and contemplate him. It's about listening and obeying. How we receive and respond to him is about what the sermon is. How we receive and respond to him will, t- will determine who we are most like. See, when it all boils down to it, this is the crux of this particular passage. Martha made Jesus her honored guest, but Mary made Jesus her highest king. The message of this sermon is that Jesus does not want a place of honor in your house. Rather, he wants your house. And when you reorient your entire life around Jesus Christ, your life then will begin to make sense. So we need to unpack these thoughts. Number one, we have to ask the question, what's the difference between an honored honored guest or a highest king? Number one, honored guest or highest king? Number two, this is the test of how we figure it out. Hearing and obeying reveals the truth of who uh, we are, Martha or Mary. And then finally, number three, there is a benefit to how we live. You can keep whatever portion you take. God gives us the freedom to treat him like Martha or Mary. So what are the benefits? So is he an honored guest or a highest king? Why don't we start out there? Verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Mary opened her home to him. Now they're on the way you remember Jesus has turned and set his face like flint toward Jerusalem he is going to be killed and crucified and has already said that he will rise again and so he has sent out 72 of his disciples who have gone into the villages that he was going to enter on his way to Jerusalem to proclaim the kingdom of God to make the place ready if you will and he gave these instructions and so here we have Jesus entering into this particular village, most likely it's one of these 72 places that they went. And lo and behold, Martha has opened her house to Jesus. In fact, it's the same word that's used when Jesus sends out the 72. If anyone receives you, go and stay into their house. Martha has already, it would appear, heard the gospel message from 
the disciples who have talked of Jesus coming. Jesus has come and she has opened her house to him. So Martha is giving, in essence, a twofold welcome. She opens her house to him as king in the sense that she knows who he is. And Jesus is going to stay as the guest of the house. Now, we know some things about Martha. Number one, she appears to be the head of the household. She is the one who's made the decision to open the house. Um, We don't hear of a man here, and so it would appear that she is the head. And Jesus has chosen to stay at this woman's house, which could be offensive to other people. She doesn't have the standing of a man. And yet this is the way Jesus works. Jesus gives status to her by choosing The way that Jesus treats women shows the status that women have in the kingdom of God. And Martha feels the weight of the responsibility of this. There's a host of hospitality things that need to occur in the Middle East. They're customs, if you will. And Martha feels the weight because opening your house to Jesus is also opening the house to the twelve. It's a nice dinner party coming. There's the entrance part where you anoint their heads with oil, and then there's a process in which they take off their shoes and you wash their feet. You greet them with a holy kiss. Uh, You entertain them. And at some point, food is going to be served. And so the disciples and Jesus are in the house, and Martha is starting to get busy, it would appear. But there's another woman who's introduced here. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching. I think we all have a sort of picture in our head of Mary, don't we? She's the dreamy-eyed little sister, you know, who doesn't have a care in the world, the flower child or something, I don't know. We picture Martha flitting from place to place, and yet Mary seems so calm and contemplative, almost naive, if you will. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And so we see Martha and we see Mary and it's like they're oil and water. Mary sits, but Martha stands. Mary is still, but Martha's hustling. Mary is prepare- Martha is preparing, but Mary is listening. Martha's behavior is normal, while Mary's is radical. See, never did women sit at the feet of these teachers when they came. Their responsibility was to go get the food ready, to take care of the preparations. And yet here is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. In fact, it's the Greek there of sitting at the feet is in the imperfect tense, which means this has gone on for a while. And so can you not relate to Martha, who's beginning to get more and more upset on the inside, as Mary is oblivious to that, listening to Jesus who is teaching. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. We see her unhappiness. Her unhappiness consists in this. I'm doing all the work. If I had Mary, there would be less work and I would not have to work as hard. So why does Martha want help? 
I don't think it's even to hear Jesus teaching. It's so there's less work. You see, Martha doesn't see the priority of what Jesus is doing right now. But the very thing that Jesus is doing right now is teaching. And the very reason that Jesus has come to this house is to teach. See, if we forget about the 72 and forget about what Jesus is doing, we think of this as a social call. But it's not a social call. Jesus has come to this house to proclaim the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come, so the king must be in her midst. This is the very reason that Jesus has come to. And who is it that Jesus has come to speak to? Not the disciples. They already know the message. He's come to speak to the inhabitants of the house. And who are the inhabitants of the house? It's Mary and Martha. You see, what's going on here is that Martha has become, as the word says, distracted by much serving. That word distracted in the Greek means drawn away. She's been drawn away from the whole point of why Jesus is there. Now, Jesus is not being rude here. Okay, I I think we tend to think of this equation as this. Martha has a choice. Either prepare the meal or listen to what Jesus is saying. But no, Jesus is a good guest. The initial hospitality has been taken care of. Jesus would not make that decision because the whole point of him being there was for them to listen. But you see, Martha is often like us. You know when you have an appointment that you're at, but there's something that has to happen an hour from now? And you inevitably start looking at your watch and thinking about things that need to happen then and, oh my gosh, let me go just do this. I'll be right back. And there goes Martha. And before you knew it, know it, Martha is gone. Well, Mary stays. Here's the point. That to Martha, Jesus is an honored guest. But to Mary, Jesus is the highest king. And the difference is Who's in charge? See, to Martha, her agenda still stands. Okay, we're going to have a meal in just a little bit. I've brought him into the house. I'm going to take care of us. This is the way things are going to go. And Jesus fit into my agenda. And in fact, she's a little frustrated that he's not. But Mary has undergone a radical reorientation Why is she sitting at Jesus' feet? Well, because she's been invited. I mean, I'm sure there are whispers. Really? Jesus inviting her to sit at the feet. I'm sure that she has possibly some sort of feel about how Martha might feel about this, but she doesn't care. She's focused because the king has come. Martha refuses to release her agenda. Now, why is Martha like this? Why are we like this? I think Martha has a sense of the world's expectations, maybe. Got to be a good host. I've got to be, do all the things right. What will people say if my meal isn't the best? The napkins aren't just right. The uh, crab etouffee is burnt. I don't know what it is. She feels the expectations of the world. 
Maybe Martha's like this because she thinks that the teaching isn't for her. It's for somebody else. She misses the point that Jesus has come specifically to deliver the gospel message to them. So how do you treat Jesus? Sure, you've opened your home if you're a Christian. People were to look into your life, they would see that you go to church. You have a servant attitude. You watch your language. But maybe you're still in charge. My word trumps his. My agenda ahead of his. He has an honored place to be sure, but he's not the highest king. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the primaries and these candidates, you know, who go around. Um, well, sometimes uh, I think, you know, where do these people stay? I mean, if you don't have a 737 like Trump, you've got to live somewhere, you know? I would think that the, you know, the, the 18-wheeler gets tiring, and so probably they you know, take over somebody's home, I would think. You know, some rich uh, you know, donor who wants to open up their home. And I thought to myself, you know, what if you know, one of those candidates came and wanted uh, our home? We being a very rich donor and a magnificent home, we d- did so. Imagine if we opened our home to them while they were busy trying to win the state of Virginia. But there are a couple of quid pro quos, a couple of minor things. Uh, We do have small group on Thursday, and homework is every Tuesday right after school. So if you guys want to do anything, you're going to have to go over there to take care of it. Um, We like to have quiets from 7 to 9, so you're not going to be able to do anything there. It wouldn't take long before they said, this is not the right place for us. Because they came for all the house. They want all or they want nothing. See, the gospel is about Jesus Christ who has come for us. Not to be the honored guest, but to be our highest king. And he is not content with simply having honored status in your house. He's only content with being Lord. And so we must, if, to truly receive him, surrender our right to be in charge. Surrender our agenda. Surrender to his message. We can't put him off with politeness anymore. To receive him as king is to take our dreams and wishes and agenda and set them at his feet with ourselves. Because Christ has come, nothing can ever be the same. So we must surrender our authority to Jesus Christ. Is he the honored guest in your home? Or is he the highest king? Well, the answer comes in this. Hearing and obeying reveals the truth. This is my second point. Hearing and obeying reveals the truth. Verse 39, and she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. Now, by the way, that is the picture of a disciple. To sit at the feet of the teacher is to be a disciple. And you sit at the feet, goes all the way back to the book of Joshua where uh, the Lord says, let no words of mine fall from your lips, from my lips to the ground. 
In other words, the reason you're below is to catch all of the words that fall from the mouth, to retain them, to value them. And so Mary is sitting there catching all of the words. Jesus' coming was a test. How passed the test? I don't know if you guys remember, um, every event defines a generation. I don't know what it was for you. But for me, I would probably be, for our generation, it would be the, uh, the space shuttle, the crashing of the space shuttle. For some of you, it might be Kennedy, uh, Kennedy being assassinated. For some of you, it might be 9-11. Kind of a seminal moment, if you will, where life stops. And whatever's going on, everybody, you know, at our school, everybody, you know, here come the TVs. Gone is math, gone is English, gone is Spanish. It's focused on this particular thing that is going on right now. This is the most important thing that is going on. That's what's going on here when the king comes. He gives a test. Remember, he sent the 72. And he said that some are going to receive you, but some are going to reject you. And the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who sent me. Now, Martha and Mary did not reject Jesus. They opened their home. But what would happen when they did reject him was that the disciple would literally go to the town and he would wipe the dust off of his feet and he said, woe to you. If these other towns like Sodom and Gomorrah, had seen what they had, we had done, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. See, the whole point of the message is more than simple acknowledgement. It's all about reorientation and repentance. The message is designed to change how we live. Listening and obeying interesting at the end Jesus tells these stories you know where at the very end of life some people come to him and they say you know we we did all these things we threw out the demons we cast out the demons we did these good works and Jesus said I never knew you I scratched my head going well how can that be possible how could they have never they did all of these great things but who did they do them for and were they even commanded by God they may have listened but they never obeyed. Jesus put it simply in Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. The wise man who built his house on the rock or the foolish man on the sand. See, I love Mary because I don't know much about her. She's not the number one female in the house. Don't know her education or training, which is probably nil. But the message that Jesus has is for Mary, and Mary is for the message. And Mary has focused her life around being a disciple of Jesus because she understands that there is fruit to be born from interaction with Jesus. It's not only to hear, why do I hear and listen closely? Because it's all for obeying. Mary believed, 
And true belief will influence behavior. I love what Jesus says. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. But what is this one thing? Well, we see worried and upset about many things. Okay, those would be the various things that she's worried about. Her responsibilities many of them which are not bad in themselves. Your word is said about many things, but only one thing is needed. And in fact, the Greek there, the translation would be, only one thing is necessary work. And what is that one thing? It's not simply to spend time contemplating Jesus. It's to believe. It's to listen And it's to obey. See, at the end of the day, this is all about prioritization. We have all of the scriptures. We know that it's important to show hospitality to other people. We know that it's important to love our neighbor as ourselves. We know that it's important to be faithful in these variety of areas. All of those things hold true for Mary. But Mary has prioritized the one necessary thing that she needs in order to be able to do all the other things in a way that honors God. Why is this the one necessary thing? Because we don't know how to live life apart from God. We don't have the wisdom to live in a godly way as we show hospitality. Just look at Martha rebuking God himself doing in the midst of trying to do a godly thing. Why? Because she has not put the necessary thing first. We need guidance and wisdom and peace as we love one another, as we care for our children, as we go about our work. The difference is the order. Now you may say to me, Carlos, but Jesus has not come to my house. I would say if you're a Christian, he most certainly has. Jesus is in your heart by the Holy Spirit. His goal has always been to set up a tabernacle right in your heart where he dwells by his Spirit. No, he's not with you. He's in you. And his word, more than her having to listen to it fall from Jesus' lips, is contained in the very book that we have. The sum totality of that which God has given us for a life of godliness God has given us everything we need for godly living. He's given us everything we need in this life to be able to understand what he requires of us and how he wants to reveal himself to us. His word, not only being on the page, is in itself living and active and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It judges our thoughts and attitudes God's word is Christ preaching. And we have a necessary work. For most of us, we live on the razor's edge between Mary and Martha. I've got so much to do. And the way we think about the Mary life is when I have time, it's then that I'm going to sit and I'm going to rest. And I'm going to contemplate and I'm going to enjoy But Jesus is saying the exact opposite. 
Yes, we need that time of being alone with Him, of being with Him. But our communion with God is supposed to last throughout the day as we prioritize Him, not as honored guest in our hearts, but rather as highest King. As we listen at His feet so there would be no falling words. Why are we so stressed out and anxious? It's because we can't run our life. We need to submit to a higher law, a higher power. One of the greatest frustrations in my life is my dog, Pepper. There, I said it. A disobedient whelp, if ever there was one. Beautiful chocolate dog, but old Pepper is still a little immature. And I confess I'm not the best of masters. And so Pepper and I, every now and then, will have a standoff. Pepper, come! Huh? Pepper, come! Where you say the smile and you, you know, come! You know, you're supposed to give a high voice. And yet Pepper doesn't move. And as I take a step closer to Pepper, Pepper takes a step back. And it's there where I'm looking for the clicker that will give the shock, which is not on Pepper's neck. And I am powerless, frustrated, angry. Thank goodness I'm married to a therapist. Pepper is like me with God. But there's so many other things I want to do, Dad. Going with you might mean going in the cage. I don't know what the plan is that you have for me. I'm going to stick with my plan. And at a certain time, yes, I'm going to get around to being obedient to you. But for right now, I'm going to do things my way. Are we that way with God? Are you Mary or are you Martha? The truth is Mary had more guts and more vision than Martha because she bore the disdain of her sister and the questioning looks of other people possibly in the crowd to answer the invitation that was directed specifically to her to believe and hear the gospel and obey it. You have a busy life. And sitting at his feet and taking time to follow his word seems crazy. Being Mary takes courage. But sitting at Christ's feet is an attitude more than simply a time frame. So surrender your agenda. He's the king now. Surrender your strategy. It's your word and your direction, moment by moment. Do you know his words, my friends? Do you embrace them? This church is all about teaching you God's word. It's the flyers that we put out there. It's the instruction we have in adult education. I'm sitting by the phone waiting for one of you to call me to ask things about God's word in a particular instance in your life. That's why you pay me. That's why I'm available to you. If you don't take advantage of it, it's your fault. It's a gift. It's a gift of being a part of the church. When you treat God's word like the gold that it is, 
things will start to get in their proper place. This brings me to my final point. You get to keep whatever portion you like. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What does this mean? There's two portions. There's a good portion and there's a bad portion. And you keep what you choose. But you can give up the one that you don't want. If you've chosen the bad portion, you can choose the good anytime you like. What did Martha choose? What was her portion? Lordship, self-sufficiency. And what did she receive? Anxiousness, anger, bitterness, misunderstanding. And what did Mary choose? Mary chose Jesus. She didn't choose just taking orders. She didn't choose just, how do I live? Jesus Christ did not come to simply show us how to live. He came to be our life. She chose Jesus and she got everything else thrown in. And it will not be taken away from her. So much of life is making choices. And we're blessed in this world that often we get to choose between the better and the best. But ultimately, it comes down to this. What do you want? Him or the world? He has come. And he has come for you. And if you want the good portion, respond. Respond by surrendering your authority. No, you're not simply my honored guest. You're my highest king. Here are the keys to the house. All I want is to be with you. Surrender your agenda. I give up my independent life. Let's live life together. Teach me your ways, and I will obey your word. And receive the blessing. Day by day, moment by moment, as you grow closer to the finish line, experiencing the blessing of the presence of God in your life, of experiencing his faithfulness, the one who came for you, the one who lives in you, the one who wants to live life with you. We will surely arrive at whatever destination God has for us. And thank goodness he is faithful. But Mary has chosen the better portion. And it will not be taken away from her. By God's grace, let us choose that portion too. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you came for me. And that you invite me to sit at your feet. To proclaim your lordship, to call me your own, to teach me your way, to tell me to trust in you, to not have fear for the future. Lord, help us make you our highest king. Too often and too much, you're simply an honored guest in our house, and it insults you, and we live lives of anxiety 
and worriedness and ineffectiveness. Lord, you are not the means to life. You are life. You are the end. And so, Lord, let us choose the good portion. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.